Section One of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume Six. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Christine G. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume Six, by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton. Five hundred and thirty seventh night to five hundred and thirty ninth night. Simbad the seaman and Simbad the landsman. There lived in the city of Baghdad, during the reign of the commander of the faithful, Harun al Rashid, a man named Simbad the Hamal, one in poor case who bore burdens on his head for hire. It happened to him one day of a great heat that whilst he was carrying a heavy load he became exceeding weary and sweated profusely, the heat and the weight alike oppressing him. Presently, as he was passing the gate of a merchant's house, before which the ground was swept and watered, and there the air was temperate, he sighted a broad bench beside the door, so he set his load thereon, to take rest and smell the air and Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and thirty-seventh night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the Hamal set his load upon the bench to take rest and smell the air, there came out upon him from the court-door a pleasant breeze and a delicious fragrance. He sat down on the edge of the bench, and at once heard from within the melodious sound of lutes and other stringed instruments, and mirth-exciting voices singing and reciting, together with the song of birds warbling and glorifying Almighty Allah, in various tunes and tongues, turtles, mocking-birds, merles, nightingales, cushats, and stone-curlews, whereat he marvelled in himself, and was moved to mighty joy and solace. Then he went up to the gate, and saw within a great flower-garden, wherein were pages, and black slaves, and such a train of servants and attendants, and so forth, as is found only with kings and sultans, and his nostrils were greeted with the savoury odours of all manner meats, rich and delicate, and delicious and generous wines. So he raised his eyes heavenwards, and said, Glory to thee, O Lord, O Creator and Provider! who providest whomso thou wilt without count or stint. O mine holy one, I cry thee pardon for all sins, and turn to thee repenting of all offences. O Lord, there is no gainsaying thee in thine ordinance, in thy dominion, neither wilt thou be questioned of that thou dost, for thou indeed over all things art almighty. Extolled be thy perfection, whom thou wilt thou makest poor, and whom thou wilt thou makest rich, whom thou wilt thou exaltest, and whom thou wilt thou abasest, and there is no God but thou. How mighty is thy majesty, and how enduring thy dominion, and how excellent thy government! Verily thy favourest whom thou wilt of thy servants, whereby the owner of this place abideth in all joyance of life, and delighteth himself with the pleasant scents and delicious meats and exquisite wines of all kind for indeed thou appointest unto thy creatures that which thou wilt and that which hast foreordained unto them 
wherefore are some weary and others are at rest and some enjoy fair fortune and affluence whilst others suffer the extreme of travail and misery even as i do and he fell to reciting how many by my labours that evermore endure all goods of life and joy and in coolish shade recline each morn that dawns i wake in travail and in bow and strange is my condition and my burden gars me pine many others are in luck and from misery are free and fortune never loads them with loads the like of mine they live their happy days in all solace and delight eat drink and dwell in honour mid the noble and the dine all living things are made of little drop of sperm thine origin is mine and my providence is thine yet the difference and distance twixt the twain of us afar as the difference of saviour twixt vinegar and wine but at thee o god all-wise i venture not to rail whose ordinance is just and whose justice cannot fail when simbad the porter had made an end to reciting his verses he bore up his burden and was about to fare on when there came forth to him from the gate a little foot-page fair of face and shapely of shape and dainty of dress who caught him by the hand saying come in and speak with my lord for he calleth for thee the porter would have excused himself to the page but the lad would take no refusal so he left his load with the doorkeeper in the vestibule and followed the boy into the house which he found to be a goodly mansion radiant and full of majesty till he brought him to a grand sitting-room wherein he saw a company of nobles and great lords seated at tables garnished with all manner of flowers and sweet-scented herbs besides great plenty of dainty viands and fruits dried and fresh and confections and wines of the choicest vintages there also were instruments of music and mirth and lovely slave-girls playing and singing all the company was ranked according to rank and in the highest place sat a man of a worshipful and noble aspect whose bedside's horrorness had stricken and he was stately of stature and fair of favour agreeable of aspect and full of gravity and dignity and majesty so simbad the porter was confounded at that which he beheld and said in himself by allah this must be either a piece of paradise or some king's palace then he saluted the company with much respect praying for their prosperity and kissing the ground before them stood with his head bowed down in humble attitude and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say when it was the five hundred and thirty-eighth night she said it hath reached me o auspicious king that simbad the porter after kissing ground between their hands stood with his head bowed down in humble attitude the master of the house bade him draw near and be seated and bespoke him kindly bidding him welcome then he set before him various kinds of vines rich and delicate and delicious and the porter after saying his bishmillah fell to and ate his fill after which he exclaimed praise be allah whatso be our case and washing his hands returned thanks to the company for his entertainment quoth the host thou art welcome and thy day is a blessed but what is thy name and calling quoth the other o my lord my name is simbad the hamel and i carry folk's goods on my head for hire 
The housemaster smiled and rejoined, Know, O porter, that thy name is even as mine, for I am Simba the seaman, and now, O porter, I would have thee let me hear the couplets thou recitedst at the gate at noon. The porter was abashed and replied, Allah upon thee, excuse me for toil and travail and lack of luck when the hand is empty. Teach a man ill manners and boorish ways, said the host. Be not ashamed, thou art become my brother, but repeat to me the verses, for they pleased me when as I heard thee recite them at the gate. Hereupon the porter repeated the couplets, and they delighted the merchant, who said to him, Know, O Hamal, that my story is a wonderful one, and thou shalt hear all that befell me, and all I underwent, ere I rose to this state of prosperity, and became the lord of this place, wherein thou seest me. For I came not to this high estate, save after travail sore, and perils galore, and how much toil and trouble have I not suffered in days of yore. I have made seven voyages, by each of which hangeth a marvellous tale, such as confoundeth the reason, and all this came to pass, by doom of fortune and fate. For from what destiny doth right, there is neither refuge nor flight. Know then, good my lords, continued he, that I am about to relate the first voyage of Simbad the seaman. My father was a merchant, one of the notables of my native place, a moneyed man, and ample of means, who died whilst I was yet a child, leaving me much wealth in money, and lands, and farmhouses. When I grew up I laid hands on the whole, and ate of the best, and drank freely, and wore rich clothes, and lived lavishly, companioning and consorting with youths of my own age, and considering that this course of life would continue for ever, and cannot change. Thus did I for a long time, but at last I awoke from my heedlessness, and, returning to my senses, I found my wealth had become unwealth, and my condition ill-conditioned, and all I once had had left my hand. And recovering my reason, I was stricken with dismay and confusion, and bethought me of a saying of our Lord Solomon, son of David, on who be peace, which I had heard aforetime from my father. Three things are better than other three. The day of death is better than the day of birth. A live dog is better than a dead lion, and the grave is better than want. Then I got together my remains of estates and property, and sold all, even my clothes, for three thousand dirhams, with which I resolved to travel to foreign parts, remembering the saying of the poet, by means of toil man shall skate the height, who to fame aspire mustn't sleep a night, who seeketh pearl in the deep must dive, winning weal and wealth by his mane and might, and who seeketh fame without toil and strife, the impossible seeketh and wasted life. So taking heart, I bought me goods, merchandise, and all needed for a voyage, and, impatient to be at sea, I embarked, with a company of merchants, on board a ship, bound for Basura. There we again embarked, and sailed many days and nights, and we passed from isle to isle, and sea to sea, and shore to shore, buying and selling and bartering everywhere the ship touched, and continued our course till we came to an island, as it were garth of the gardens of paradise. Here the captain cast anchor, and making fast to the shore, put out the landing planks. So all on board landed and made furnaces, and lighting fires therein, 
busied themselves in various ways, some cooking and some washing, whilst others some walked about the island for solace, and the crew fell to eating and drinking and playing and sporting. I was one of the walkers, but, as we were thus engaged, behold the master, who was standing on the gunwale, cried out to us at the top of his voice, saying, "'Ho there, passengers! Run for your lives, and hasten back to the ship, and leave your gear, and save yourselves from destruction. Allah preserve you, for this island whereon ye stand is no true island, but a great fish, stationary amiddlemost of the sea, whereon the sand has settled, and trees have sprung up of all time, so that it is become like unto an island. But when ye lighted fires on it, it felt the heat and moved and in a moment it will sink with you into the sea, and you will all be drowned. So leave your gear, and seek your safety, ere you die. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and thirty-ninth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the shipmaster cried to the passengers, Leave your gear, and seek safety, ere you die. All who heard him left gear and goods, clothes washed and unwashed, fire-pots and brass cooking-pots, and fled back to the ship for their lives, and some reached it, while others, among whom was I, did not, for suddenly the island shook, and sank into the abysses of the deep, with all that were thereon, and the dashing sea surged over it with clashing waves. I sank with the others down, down into the deep, but Almighty Allah preserved me from drowning, and threw in my way a great wooden tub of those that had served the ship's company for tubbing. I gripped it for the sweetness of life, and, bestriding it like one riding, paddled with my feet like oars, whilst the waves tossed me as in sport right and left. Meanwhile the captain made sail and departed with those who had reached the ship, regardless of the drowning and the drowned and I ceased not following the vessel with my eyes, till she was hid from sight, and I made sure of death. Darkness closed in upon me while in this plight, and the winds and waves bore me on all that night and the next day, till the tub brought to with me under the lee of a lofty island, with trees overhanging the tide. I caught hold of a branch, and by its aid clambered up onto the land, after coming nigh upon death. But when I reached the shore, I found my legs cramped and numbed, and my feet brought traces of the nibbling of fish upon their soles. Withal I had felt nothing for excess of anguish and fatigue. I threw myself down on the island ground, like a dead man, and drowned in desolation swooned away. Nor did I return to my senses till next morning, when the sun rose and revived me, but I found my feet swollen so made shift to move by shuffling on my breech, and crawling on my knees, for in that island were found store of fruits and springs of sweet water. I ate of the fruits which strengthened me, and thus I abode days and nights, till my life seemed to return, and my spirits began to revive, and I was better able to move about. So, after due consideration, I fell to exploring the island, and diverting myself with gazing upon all things that Allah Almighty had created there, and rested under the trees from one of which I cut me a staff to lean upon. One day, as I walked along the marge, I caught sight of some object in the distance, and thought it a wild beast, or one of the monster creatures of the sea, but, as I drew near it, looking hard the while, 
I saw that it was a noble mare, teethed on the beach. Presently I went up to her, but she cried out against me with a great cry, so that I trembled for fear and turned to go away. When there came forth a man from under the earth and followed me, crying out and saying, Who and whence art thou, and what caused thee to come hither? O oh, my lord, answered I, I am in very sooth a waif, a stranger, and was left to drown with sundry others by the ship we voyaged in. But Allah graciously sent me a wooden tub, so I saved myself thereon, and it floated with me, till the waves cast me up on this island. When he heard this, he took my hand and saying, Come with me, carried me into a great sardab, or underground chamber, which was spacious as a saloon. He made me sit down at its upper end. Then he brought me somewhat of food, and being unhungered, I ate till I was satisfied and refreshed. And when he had put me at mine ease, he questioned me of myself, and I told him all that had befallen me from first to last. And as he wondered at my adventure, I said, By Allah, O oh my Lord, excuse me. I have told thee the truth of my case and accident which betided me, and now I desire that thou tell me who thou art, and why thou abidest here under the earth, and why thou hast teated yonder mare on the brink of the sea, answered he, Know that I am one of the several who are stationed in different parts of this island, and we are the grooms of King Mirjan, and under our hand are all his horses. Every month, about new moon tide, we bring hither our best mares, which have never been covered, and picket them on the seashore and hide ourselves in this place under the ground, so that none may espy us. Presently the stallions of the sea scent the mares, and come up out of the water, and seeing no one, leap the mares, and do their will of them. When they have covered them, they try to drag them away with them, but cannot, by reason of the leg-ropes. So they cry out at them, and butt at them, and kick them, which we hearing, know that the stallions have dismounted, so we run out and shout at them, whereupon they are startled, and return in fear to the sea. Then the mares conceived by them, and bear colts and fillies, worth a mint of money, nor is their like to be found on earth's face. This is the time of the coming forth of the sea stallions, and, Inshallah, I will bear thee to King Mirjan. And Shaharasad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say, End of section one. Recording by Christine G. in Oslo, Norway. The 10th of December, 2011.